Hello, my name is Flick Beckett and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly sponsored by Kia, the champion of independent cinema nationwide. On today's show, I spoke with director Sean Dak Sen about his extraordinary and highly acclaimed documentary, All That Breathes, which introduces the world to brothers Nadim and Saud, who have spent 20 years in the world's most polluted city, Delhi, trying to save the magnificent kite. जिंदगी खुद एक तरह की रिश्तेदारी है हम सब हवा की बिरादरी हैं जो जो चीजें सांस लेती हैं उनमें कोई फर्क नहीं दिखना चाहिए Sean Xen, welcome to the Picture House podcast and thank you so much for bringing us All That Breathes. What an amazing documentary and it's been accoladed at Sundance this year, it won Best Documentary and the Golden Eye at Cannes, which is Best Documentary as well. Can you tell me what these awards mean for you and the brothers Nadim and Saud who set up Wildlife Rescue to win these extremely prestigious and high profile awards? I think what they really mean for me is something that we'll slowly be able to process and compute. Right now, I mean, I feel like I have the uh, usual surface level platitudes, like, of course, we're besides ourselves with joy and extremely relieved and happy that the film now will be part of the conversation. But I mean, the main thing that happens with this, it's twofold, really. Firstly, when you've put in this long, into like we've put in three years into the film, the fact that it's going to get this kind of a um, stage or platform and it's going to be part of many rooms that I didn't expect it to be is in itself a huge kind of relief. The fact that we then went on to win the prize also gives it an extra fillip, of course, and sort of galvanizes the promotion of the film and so on. So, of course, look, I mean, I don't want to say cliche didn't trivial things, but of course, they're very happy and uh, very, very, very uh, relieved. But most, I mean, you know, what it actually means, I think the literature review will come out in a year or so, uh, psychologically. But um, for Nadim and Saud, there is a kind of spotlight on their work and there's a lot of conversation and, you know, engaged attention on their work, which is great. So all of that is happening. But I think for me, I'm still, uh, I'm, I've been on the road for a while. I'm talking to more interlocutors than I had ever imagined. So in that sense, it's fantastic. So, so let's go back and tell me about how you found out about Wildlife Rescue and these seemingly quite ordinary brothers. What an ex- extraordinary thing that they're doing. Right. So I think the film began in its first iteration. Most films begin as a kind of ineffable glow at the back of your head, right? And I was v- sort of aware of a vague, abstracted phenomenon of, you know, if you live in Delhi, you're constantly, perpetually aware of this of the air that you're suspended in, right? And this kind of all pervasive, omnipresent grayness. Uh, You know, there's this monochromatic gray sky, you're aware of breathing in noxious air. So I wanted to do something around the abstract kind of triangulation of air, birds, and uh, people. And that's how it began. So, and I was basically once driving 
on the streets of delhi and i was stuck in a traffic jam and i was sat in my car and i remember looking up at the kind of hazy expanse hazy undifferentiated gray expanse that the sky of delhi is and in it i remember having the distinct sensation that basically a black dot which is a black kite like a lazy dot in the sky starts falling down and i went back home and i realized i was gripped by the sensation of what happens to a bird that falls off a polluted sky and i simply googled where do birds go when they fall off you know and then the uh, work of the brothers came up and the minute you go and meet them, they were the first set of characters i never met anybody else because once you've gone into that house and that tiny damp derelict industrial looking basement and you see these magisterial birds being treated there it's such a layered story and just fundamentally the condition of the brothers lives is just so um, that family is so absurdly surreal that there's many films in them right so and i, I like this uh, you know it had a kind of punctum and it like immediately speaks to you so that's how i think it began and it is also very founded in science because you went to cambridge university and you studied or you did a research in urban ecology is this right is that right only partly i mean my phd was in india and then i was there for a fellowship uh, in the uk in cambridge but the thing that happened was that i was, i got uh, and it was a very brief kind of a uh, visiting uh, fellowship but i think what happened is that i got very interested in because i have a close friend who teaches uh, uh, in cambridge and in conversations with him i got interested in the human animal entanglement so to speak so um, it began as a kind of conceptual or philosophical interest in thinking about you know the neighborliness or kinship between humans and non-humans and the uh, thinking of the urban space as a kind of like you know where human non-human stakes are constantly jostling cheek by jowl and to open up the city as not being something that's divorced from usually we think of nature as something occurring in the forests or beaches far away or here you know inside the body but to think of the city also as being as configured by these kinds of non-human uh, considerations and in a way so philosophically i got nudged in this direction in the uk funnily enough and then once i went back and i kept and it's after that that i had the kind of epiphanic moment with looking at the black kite and after that i had this thing about uh, you know going to meet the brothers and that's how afterwards it began but yes my main the main interest sort of underwriting the film is that i i was sure i did not want to make a sweet film about nice people doing good things yes. in about house yeah. uh, i wanted to make something which is a more dense philosophical exploration of things and that's how it began yeah and it was really interesting to observe just the actual physical reality of what how nature works within an urban environment that talking about the vultures for instance they've completely disappeared and the impact that that has and now it's up to the kites to scavenge the landfill because otherwise they will overflow and it's so important for people to have that thought in their head that you know these mice and rats aren't just vermin they do function they do we all live in symbiosis in fact i wouldn't even say it's up to the kites so with the vultures what happened is that many people speculate that something that can be called the diclofenac event wherein basically um, diclofenac was used i think in pesticides i'm not sure and then livestock would have it and after 
so when the vultures would eat dead livestock they would have renal failure so um, what we're talking about is this kind of big extinction event where all like my parents and everybody around me have a robust memory of seeing vultures all the time uh, like i haven't in the last 15 years seen a single vulture in delhi so there's a staggering kind of a fall and i think uh, one can attribute the success of the kites urban career to the fact that among other many other things that there's no apex predator atop them on the food chain so and uh, apart from that there's the you know there's a the landfill and all of that so they've had a very thriving and flourishing urban career which is part of the so it's not a thing of like you know um, an endangered species this is a very very successful population let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars inspiration comes when we feel something new that's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys kia proud supporter of independent cinema kia movement that inspires i suppose what i took from the films was very much a living together and if we lose a species in one way or another either it's an indication of how awful things are like in in delhi the the pollution or it's an indication of things being so out of balance like with the bees and things going out you know if we lose the bees we are so stuffed you know and i just feel like it, it, the documentary wasn't so much saying that if we lose the kites we're completely stuffed but it's such an indication of how bad things have got correct correct so um, the founding principle of the film also was this kind of among other things for one it was this kind of ravenous hypnotic love that the brothers had for the yeah. black when they were young and this is you know the kite comes across as this kind of otherworldly wondrous oratic being and i was very interested in that but more than that as they've grown older the their philosophical position has sort of settled into a kind of calm sobering understanding of the kind of entanglement or kinship or neighborliness that we share with uh, other animals and in a film that's why the title is all that breeds no uh, you can't really always place the human as absolute reference point and you have to stop this kind of you know like sometimes violent stratification of different kinds of life forms which the brothers believe so the film sort of nudges gently towards what the brothers think in this regard mm. and even the, the sacred nature of the bird is is founded in very practical use you know they they do come they do pick up the meat or you know that you can meditate on a beautiful kite and how it swims through the sky and your cinematography is absolutely gorgeous and hypnotic but i love that you bring it all back down to a scientific and basic foundation of the practical purpose you know so whilst the brothers love the kite with it in a way that they didn't even possibly know that they did like often we don't like we've in england we've lost the rabbits and the hedgehogs and things in in different ways and you don't know until it's gone almost the practical and spiritual aspect of them looking after the birds because in one at one level there is a kind of a rational secular perspective that i have which is of 
change in animal behavior, which is, you know, interested in the evolutionary and that kind of a thing. But above and beyond that, one also should take seriously the brother's quasi-religious cosmological approach, which is about, you know, they do what they do also because they want to earn what they call moral credit. In that, I, I would say that um, we have to, because there's a lot to learn even from those kinds of perspectives, because there's a kind of quiet grace and dignity in it. And it only, I think, sharpens the tools of the scientific toolkit. Yes. It kind of feels like there's a sort of full circle, like, you know, ancient knowledge meeting technological know-how now. Yeah. I don't necessarily draw a kind of uh, division between them. Very, those are very interbleeding and often cross-pollinate. And I think the film also is, as a body, a kind of two-pronged thing, which is also taking from their own belief systems, while, of course, it's also constantly undergirded by, um, you know, the evolutionary stuff and urban ecology and all of that. And also, I mean, the documentary itself I found was very unjudgmental. You had an, almost an invisible eye. And I, I, I found that very um, unpreaching. So you just allowed us to see and experience this family and what they were doing and the daily tribulations that they faced. So was there a specific angle that you were trying to present through your vision or your perspective? Well, there was definitely not a specific uh, prescriptive angle. Mm. I usually hate the kind of environmental discourse that is either pedantic or lecturing type or, you know, like preachy, like you said, or even that is constantly uh, characterized by a kind of bleed, bleeding heart sentimentality. And the brothers are interesting because they're unsentimental, stoic, and have a kind of wry resilience. That I, I get very attracted to that attitude and that's the sort of thing that I was interested in. In terms of the observational form, I think that's a combination of the shooting style and also Charlotte Bengtson and Vedant's editing style, which is there's a kind of flowy, dreamy quality and the film's grammar is such that it shows more than tells and there's a where, you know, where you get rewarded if you patiently keep looking at things. That's the style. Right, so, and this film, given the meditative quality of the brother's relationship to the birds, uh, had to have that kind of a lyrical, contemplative quality to it. And I think we've sort of preserved that. Absolutely. I love that you get the reward, like when you're looking at the flies on top of the muddy puddle and you're looking at it thinking, oh, and then you suddenly see the, the, the reveal of the street in the puddle. And it was, was looking for the beautiful something very important to you? Um, look, the aesthetics and the ethics and the politics are not divorced, right? They're very closely imbricated. And, you know, beauty is a tool and films are meant to be Trojan horses mm. where you sneak in ideas that you, A, want to enroll people into or, you know, you move people so that you can whisper certain things to the better angels of the nature. And beauty is a tool that you have to mobilize it. So uh, if something is not beautiful, then it's it doesn't do the thing of fully interpolating people into the program of the film. So you have to use all the toys in your toolkit. Interesting. So, and also going back to the, the 
the story of the brothers and their humanity and, and their unusual setting, like their basement could have been a garage or, you know, that there was so much sort of equipment in it that was so grubby and old and it could have been for anything other than treating birds. It was so extraordinary to look at constantly. So all, all the while you're just amazed. Well, uh, I mean, uh, initially when I went there for the first time, Mm. The fact that there was this kind of inherently the salient bipolarity in that space, which is that at one point it was characterized by so much industrial decay and like you said, it was grubby and derelict and dank and you know, all of that. And on the other side, you have next to these heavy metal cutting machines, these incredibly regal birds that are being treated. Mm. So, you know, that's just so revetting cinematically from the get-go. Uh, and that's what drew me in to begin with. This any space that kind of militates against the obvious expectations or pretensions that you want to impose upon it is always more rewarding because you can keep peeling away the layers of it. And it's a really dense space, and therefore it's cinematic. It's the kind of mise en scene that you'd want, you know. And there's there's such a humanitarian story, you know, like with um, Nadim particularly, it's very poignant at his sadness that despite the incredible thing that he's doing, he feels his potential is unfulfilled and he wants to go to America, which is great that he does. And yet there's still such a poignancy. Did you feel that that was part of it? Yeah, I mean, that was the third layer of the film, apart from the ecological and the political, is the inner lives of the brothers and the fact that one person is that in sync with what he does and the other person feels a kind of pull of discontent and you know he sees the value in what he's doing but he's also sort of run aground by the years of struggle and it was that kind of a existential um, dissatisfaction that's actually very interesting because he's not possessed by the fever dream of love like South is and that kind of deficit between the two is what I wanted to explore and Nadim's own desire to go out into the world and do other things and you know other kinds of self-fulfillment which I was interested in. Yes, because often one can feel that it's just a joy to give your life to whatever it is that you love. Whereas actually, you know, there was so much hardship and the sacrifice was was pretty intense and they put their own lives in danger. Like one of the most extraordinary scenes of the film I felt was when they were swimming across the river to save the kites with, with nothing. They just took their clothes off and went in the water. And did you find moments like that completely extraordinary? Well, extraordinary, but not surprising because I'd already been tracking them and their lives for a while. So insofar as I was expecting these kinds of daily micro-miracles, mm-hmm. um, that was all like part of the enterprise of their lives. But I mean, above and beyond that, you knew that these are truly singular people who actually give more of themselves to the non-human world than you would imagine that that is more than a, you know, like a regular kids. Thank you so much. This is just one of the most stunning documentaries I've ever seen. So I'm so delighted to talk to you today and really good luck with the rest of the festival. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.